family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Supposed to hide those, Jesse. You're supposed to hide those. What was it? Coffee cup. Oh, got it, got it. Coffee cup. Yeah, I got the no-name brand. McAuliffe. I got the no-name brand. McAuliffe. Got to be careful. It's Tim and Friends for Monday, April 4th. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff here with you for another very busy Monday in the world of sports. You can always tell how busy it is by how much crap I have on my desk <laughs> at the start of the show. This is true. Although others were asking me for my time today, and I'm mad at them right now. The Canucks just might have come to the end of the road. Kyle Lowry's road brings him back to the north. And does Tiger's road to recovery, Jesse Rubinoff, bring him back to the Masters? Five minutes ago, Dan Rappaport tweeted that he seems to think so. Here it is. Back from watching Tiger at his practice. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that is good. That's good. Tiger That's is very, lurking, very Jesse. Uh-oh. Tiger, give us the update. He is certainly lurking. Okay, so his ball speed is in the low 170s. Can get it to 176-ish when he cranks it. Short game looks exceptional. Drawing chips, cutting chips, etc. Miss is a pull when his body gets slow. My read, this is from Dan Rappaport. Barring a last-minute change, he's playing. Sorry, what? Um, repeat that last one at the end one more time. Give Dan Rappaport, what, what's his credentials? Staff writer, PGA Tour Insider, Golf Digest. Okay, so that is... Northwestern alum. As clo- oh, Northwestern, that's a good school. Yeah, yeah that means... That is as close as you can get to right inside the ropes, right? Barring a last-minute change, he's playing. So I'm adding to that. My busted up finger is busting into your shot with a tiger lurking because... Get that splint out of here. From five minutes ago, someone inside the ropes has told us they believe Tiger Woods is going to play at the Masters. I just, I was going to play my alarm clock for you, but it's okay. Why is it okay? It's too long for me to get to it, but you know what I mean. I played uh, the Masters theme song as my alarm clock this morning. I think I said this last year at the same time. This is just a beautiful time to, it's a beautiful time to be alive, quite frankly. It's the Masters. It's Monday at the Masters. I feel like we should, uh, there should be an extension in front of your desk, like I have, to cover up certain areas. Like what? <laughs> like what? Jesse's really excited. Ah, oh, we uh, also got opening week in the bigs. I see what he did there. Jesse's home opener Friday, and the homies at SN Bets have kicked off <laughs> Wager Week with the NCAA Men's Final. Cabral Richards will join us in studio. Danielle Michaud also stopping by. Justin Bourne on two crazy divisional races in the Atlantic and the Pacific. Is the Canucks season done? Suffice to say, this is a busy one. And kids, at any time, if it lasts longer than four hours, please call your doctor. Pitter-patter, let's get at her. Former FIFA president, Seth Blatter. Didn't you say he was disgraced, former FIFA president, last time? I have in the past just uh, called him. I just left out the disgrace part this time. I don't know what to do here. 
I feel like I, I feel like you're right. Are you excited? Oh. It sounds like what you feel it. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah, like yeah. Tiger Woods is going to play at the Masters. Yeah, no, that, you couldn't this have is started your, the show with better news. Like, we literally got that five minutes ago. But so what's I'm on so cloud funny nine is I, I've said this to you before. Like you're cool, calm, and collected, and I appreciate that. But I know right now, like you are busting inside, and you're like, I was going to play the Masters theme on my phone, and like. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you don't think I've expressed enough how happy I am for this? But it's like, a, it's like you're, it's an understated, like, we've got a tiger in the screen behind you because Tim, Tim okay. tiger looks like so, he's going to play. This guy was taken out of his car by the jaws of life, okay? Mm -hmm. He's had his spine fused. Right. He has a rod in his leg that they thought they were going to have to amputate. The leg they thought they were going to have to amputate. They thought they were going to have to amputate the putting leg. Putting a rod inside that leg. And this M. This, this dude. That's right. This dude looks like he's going to play in the Masters. His ball speed is 176 when he wants to get it up there. Now, what? I don't know offhand what the average for the PGA Tour is. <laughs> But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that that is really I don't fast. know what that means, but it sounds really good. I don't know good. what the average is, top of my head, but I would guess that that's above PGA Tour average. So, I mean, if you weren't going to watch the Masters uh, this weekend before this news, you certainly are now. Uh, it's wager week. It is wager week. He's 50 to 1 right now. Do you think that changed with that tweet? Yeah. Well, there's a ceiling on it because he still hasn't played a lot. He only played with his... Well, at all on there? tour? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, listen, this is a guy that's not intimidated by anything, so he can jump in and play. Yeah, of course. If he is healthy, but he hasn't played at all no. on the PGA Tour. Like, it would, it would, it, it oftentimes is ridiculous what his odds are when he's taking big breaks like this, but 30 to 1 or 35 to 1, it no, feels like that's the highest not. it can possibly he is, go. He has single handedly rewritten the way the books cap golf, the way they handicap golf. Tiger Woods, like, there were times where he was, like, even money favorite at majors. Mm -hmm. And that never happened in the history of golf. Tiger Woods, honestly, honest to goodness, has rewritten the way the books deal with golf. And now he's 46 years old and people still think he can win. It is truly unbelievable. Is there, is there any more determined professional athlete than Tiger Woods? And bordering on, like, obsessive-compulsive. No. Like it's I read unbelievable. His biography. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Would you want to be like that though? No. Never mind. Story for another day. That is a, that's a long conversation. That's yeah, it's a, a very conversation. long conversation. It's a very very long. But his like so, I would never. And this was the point of my bet with Sid Sixero a long time ago when he said after the uh, the four iron incident that he would never be back winning majors mm -hmm. and I said like you're betting against this guy who has like the most unbelievable focus that we have ever seen in our lives among a professional athlete so to bet against him is ridiculous I'll take that bet we can have and that conversation way, I won that bet <laughs> <laughs> yes you did you know what I'm talking about I said bets look since he's now it looks like he's playing we're going to be talking about him all week and again on Monday when he wins okay Off on Sunday and then we'll talk about it on Monday when he wins. Uh, Tiger. I got the joke. Tiger. You don't have to explain it. <laughs> I'm clarifying for the viewer. Okay. Uh, Tiger, one of the most you determined athletes you of all time. You were clarifying for the douchebag who was going to write in and say, yeah, right. I win on Monday. you got to be careful with that. Yeah, you, you do have to be careful with that. Uh, Kyle Lowry, also very, very determined as an athlete. Yes. And it was, Tim, it was a night unlike any other.
we've seen at Scotiabank Arena. See what I did there? As the Raptors welcome back Kyle Lowry Thanks, on Sunday. The players, the organization, and the fans showing Lowry a ton of love. And then he had 16 points and 10 assists as the Heat snapped the Raptors' five-game winning streak. Lowry said he wouldn't cry, and he didn't. Were you surprised he was able to keep his emotions in check? Yes. However, the Toronto Raptors are a tradition unlike any other. Jesse Rubinoff. Yes. Come on. No, no, no. I, I got it. I, I got give it. you it back and there's nothing? No. I love it. I, Every other... No, you can't, you can't go back and do What do you mean? No. It's just like... It's like you the iPads are there doing and you're looking down at your notes. Nothing. <laughs> I got it. I'm okay with it. The Raptors' history has never given them a night like that. The returns were all bad. Damon Stoudemire, Vince Carter, Chris Bosh. Like, never did you have everyone smiling like this until maybe the reconciliation with Vince. But when watching how Kyle and the Raptors, even though the divorce wasn't absolutely perfect, had respect for each other, you kind of realized how ridiculous the Vince Carter situation was. And what the Raptors got, what the Raptors fans got, and most importantly, what Kyle Lowry got was something that was a long time coming for this mm -hmm. franchise. And there was a franchise legend that everyone could be happy about. And yes, there will eventually be a statue. And yes, the number will eventually go to the rafters and all those things. But it was very cool to get that day in a full building with that team and that franchise because it hasn't happened very often. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think cool is probably the word I would use to describe it, maybe classy. It was a really nice job by the Raptors. I love how they introduced the rest of the starting lineup for the Heat. They made it all about Kyle. Uh, it was a great night. It was an emotional night. Now the only thing on the Raptors side is that they didn't end up getting the, the W. Yeah, but I, can I, before I, we, we transition away yeah, from Lowry, like sure. sports fans remember this one. Because Kyle Lowry, for most of his career in Toronto, was the guy who couldn't get it done. Before the Kawhi trade, which some of you watching right now thought it should have been Kyle going the other way and not DeMar DeRozan. Some of you out there, me included, wondered if this guy would ever get over the hump. Right? Oh, yeah. His history, along with DeMar DeRozan, in the playoffs was that a failure. And it was that a failure because of LeBron James, but also because of shooting woes, because of being unable to win first games in series and always having to dig out of a hole. And in the blink of an eye, Kyle Lowry went from the guy who couldn't get it done when it matters most to the absolute representation of winner in the NBA. The guy who did all of the, everything that you saw on Sunday represented at Kyle Lowry is how quickly it can turn for an athlete. Mm -hmm. And it's a great reminder to Leaf fans when it comes to their stars. It's a great reminder to Oilers fans when it comes to their stars. It's a great reminder to Canucks fans when it comes to their guys. We, we always want it right now. And for Kyle Lowry to get the Grote night after being the guy who represented along with DeMar DeRozan not being able to get it done when it matters most is an amazing flip that all sports fans like I say this stuff on the show all the time and it just goes by people it goes over people's heads people don't want to listen to it but this is the personification 
of a dude that had one reputation and it flipped in a season. Mm -hmm. In one season with a new teammate in Kawhi Leonard, all of his history, all of his legacy changed. And I think it's important for sports fans to remember that when they're thinking about their team and their guys. Very well said. Um, in terms of the game, did, were you concerned at all by the loss nope. or you just want to move on? No, I mean, listen, there are things that you can look at. They're going to have a tough first-round matchup. I don't know what I want from their final four games, but it'll be a tough matchup for the Raptors. It looks like they're settled into no that sixth seed. Yeah, no matter what. Uh, they might be the fifth seed, but that doesn't really matter. Um, I think that they got to now get healthy, now settle in, make sure you don't lose this, but get some guys rested and ready because whoever you get is going to be a real tough first-round matchup. Um, yes or no answer, because we've got to move on to the next topic. Mm -hmm. Do you think an ovation like that and sort of the level of respect that fans gave the organization do other players notice that when they try Without and decide whether they want to come play for the Raptors? I, I don't know about playing for the Raptors, but when leaving franchises or staying with franchises, moments like that resonate. Yeah. You yeah. saw it with the, the Miami team. No games tonight in the NBA, of course. North Carolina, Kansas set to meet in the NCAA men's championship game. Last night, South Carolina women beat UConn to claim the second national championship in school history. On this side of the border, Ryerson and Rams women's squad took home the bronze baby, beating Winnipeg in the final of the cap, a perfect 24-0 season. While on the men's side, once again, Carlton, who amazingly entered the final eight as the number seven seed, despite being the number one ranked team in the nation. Never mind, I won't get into that. They beat Saskatchewan in the final. The Ravens have now won 10 of the last 11 national titles and 16 of the last 19. Absolute domination all around from Ryerson, undefeated Jesse, to Carlton. Like, ponder that for a moment. Like, every team in the nation is battling that squad that has won 16 of 19 with three different head coaches. Like what do you even do with that? Like how do you no how do you idea. go how do you motivate your team to go up against the program that has won that much? What do you say? Yeah, you to slay Goliath. You need John Herdman. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah, you, you need a master motivator. You need, you need or or Don Staley. Or Don Staley. Yeah, yes. shout out Don Staley and the South Carolina Gamecocks who provided the moment of the weekend Twice. I want the Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi <laughs> simulcast on all games. I don't know if you saw this, Jesse, but the mega cast on the weekend, Friday, for the NCAA tournament, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, it got a little racy. Here's where that lane she comes that into pass. play right there. Yeah. Like in those other games, as she was finishing in the lane, the length of, of, the, of the cocks is long. You can't help it. Can't help it. <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. 
Any comment? Sarah Spain, Sunday night as the Gamecocks won the national championship, <laughs> Diana Taurasi was absolutely right. The <clears throat> cocks are just too long. Uh, it's a bit redundant, but I don't want to be the grammar police. Not the, the tweet, the du Diana Taurasi clip. That's why we were drinking. Uh, to hockey, the Leafs are, are in Tampa. <laughs> Tough back-to-back. -back hey, you, you don't need to add on to that length. Right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly right. Back-to-back uh, -back against the Lightning and Panthers. You can see tonight's game on Rogers Hometown Hockey. Coming up on Sportsnet immediately following us. While the Flames look to snap their three-game losing streak as they visit the Kings. You can see that game at 8.30 Mountain Time, 10.30 Eastern on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1. Now taking a look. At the Atlantic Division standings, the Leafs and Lightning currently tied with 93 points. The Bruins are just two points back. They visit the Blue Jackets tonight over in the Pacific. The Oilers, red hot. They've won four in a row and are now just one point back of the Kings for second and four points back of the first place Flames. Are these races going to come down to the wire here? Yeah, absolutely. I think the Pacific Division is more important, though, no? Yeah. I think any matchup in the Atlantic... Like, listen, tonight's going to be really interesting for the Leafs and the Lightning. I think there's some message sending. Mm -hmm. But the Pacific right now, like, the Canucks are done. Done. Like, barring an absolute ridiculous run Almost over their officially. last 12 games, yeah. they are done. Like, they would need to go 11-1 and one over their last 12 games to have any chance. So, barring the ridiculous run, they're done. Uh, the Golden Knights are making this interesting. Robin Leonard returns. They get a win in his first game. And now they're not only in that Western Conference second wildcard spot that's probably going to end up belonging to the Stars, but they are now just three points back of the Oilers. So the Oilers have to stay hot. And the Oilers are just four points back of the Flames. That so is incredible. The Flames now. Listen, Edmonton's 17-7-2 under Jay Woodcroft. But the Flames have lost three in a row and could be without four regulars tonight. Shillington's banged up. Yarncroft has an illness. Brett Ritchie undisclosed. And Sean Monaghan's done. Like, they have been the NHL's healthiest team almost the entire year. They've, I think, had 54 man games lost to injury. And now, a little losing streak. And now, you understand why Daryl Sutter's been harping on all of the little things. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. But what was almost a romp to the Pacific Division crown now looks like it could get muddled. Now, I don't know what matchup you want. I don't even know if Calgary wants to finish first, especially if Vegas could be the team that they end up getting in the first round. Yeah. Nobody wants to Nobody Vegas. wants Vegas. And especially if Robin Leonard's back healthy and looking good, nobody wants Vegas. Including fans uh, that are not fans of the Golden Knights. Nobody around the NHL wants to see Vegas make the playoffs. They've, this, done, they've had enough success already. This, Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> they were kind of set up for success. Um, this Western Conference slash Pacific Division is going to go down to the absolute wire. Mm -hmm. And it's enthralling in every slot. And even if you're just talking about two and three in the division... Like, home ice for the Oilers, to me, especially the way they've been playing at home lately, remarkably important. So, f for me, it's a West watch for sure. Two months ago, that was entirely out of the conversation. Yeah. Wasn't Le even on the radar. Leafs lightning tonight, though, message send. Yes. Stay tuned. Hometown hockey. Do you not think the lightning are going to play the way the Bruins played the Leafs? They should. And see how it goes. Right. Yeah.
Uh, Justin Bourne a little bit later in the show awesome. with more hockey talk. And uh, we stick with hockey now because we've got to talk about what happened in Arizona on Friday night with the Ducks leading 5-zip late in the third. After a scrum in front of the net, the Coyotes' Jay Beagle went after Trevor Zegras, who had scored another unbelievable lacrosse-style goal earlier in the game. Then Beagle went after Troy Terry, who came in to defend Zegras. And this is how it was described on the broadcast by Coyotes analyst Tyson Nash. Uh, that's the problem sometimes with these young players. You want to embarrass guys and you want to skill it up, you better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> What'd you make of those comments? <laughs> okay. Or the whole incident? First things first, I enjoyed the back and forth between Jen Botterill, Kevin Bieksa, and Kelly Rudy on Saturday night. It's worth a watch. We'll tweet it out if you missed it. But I have a different take. The first thing I have to say is skill it up is one of the stupidest things ever uttered. Like Coyotes color analyst Tyson Nash said in hindsight that he should have said hot dogging. I would say, yeah, probably at least. Now, it was April Fool's Day. Make of that what you will. I would also say that Jay Beagle should be suspended. He started swinging on a dude that didn't want to fight, which is a match penalty in the rule book and not enough people are pointing to at this time. You fight someone who doesn't want to fight, it should be a match penalty. Instead, 10-minute misconduct, five for fighting, two for roughing for Terry, by the way. He got two for roughing for getting his face punched in. Literally. And even hockey that tends to defend overt physicality to a shocking degree, even hockey kind of agreed, pounding on a guy that isn't engaged has no business in the game. Now, chalking this one up to the code, as some have, is cowardly. It's a way of saying you don't understand what we're talking about, and it's also flat-out wrong. Beagle just lost his ish and wanted to beat on someone. Again, hockey can't have people thinking that they are judge, jury, and executioner, especially people who are wrong like Jay Beagle in this spot. And how the linesmen don't recognize in the moment or the referees don't recognize in the moment to tell the linesmen to jump in there is on the game too. But I would also say let's stop with this overblown shock on Twitter and TV immediately following things like this. Like folks acting like this happened in a vacuum. Oh, it was just the Zegris lacrosse goal that pissed off Phoenix. And not mentioning the digging at a goalie in a 5 nothing game mm. with just over five minutes left in that game. That misrepresents what happened here. Even then. The idea in any sport that grown-ass men who are among the most competitive on planet Earth are going to be okay with getting their ass kicked and maybe embarrassed won't lose their mind once in a while once in a while is comical. Like, it's honestly comical. Guys lose it all the time in men's league at a couple of million dollars, and of course guys are going to take some things to heart even when they're not meant to be and step over the line. I hate to break it to some of you, but that's exactly why the code exists. I know a lot of you think that you're smarter than 100 years of hockey players, baseball players, or basketball players, but they are the ones who created and alter the unwritten rules. As much as you want to be a part of it, you're not. The code actually exists to keep the idiots in line. The problem is most of us don't understand it. 
It's hard to define and it's ever-changing, but that doesn't mean it's stupid or that it shouldn't exist. The code is meant to be honorable. Like, ask those who know the code well. Not the meatheads who just want to see a fight. Ask the guys who know it well. It was Beagle who broke the code. He pounded on a guy who doesn't play that way. That is dishonorable. Now, here's where the league is. If the NHL doesn't step up, the Ducks have to. The Ducks, as an organization, have to say that beating up our skill guys is not allowed. And how do you do that, no-code people? By scoring on the power play? Horse bleep. You dress someone who can beat the snot out of Beagle, and I didn't want to say snot, because that's the only thing that he'll listen to. And there are way more guys like Jay Beagle who will only listen to an eye for an eye than most of you would like to admit. So if that's the case, and we truly don't want this in the game, then either the NHL has to come down hard on Beagle, guys like Beagle, and incidents like this, or, and hear me out on this, the league knows and wants the vigilante justice in the game. Because that, in the end, if the suspension doesn't satisfy the Ducks, then that in the end is how we know all of this is going to play out, whether you like it or not. That is going to get some feedback online, and we will address it later in the show. Okay, we're out of time. (laughs) Damn tiger breaking news. Because I saw you writing things down there. Yeah. That you wanted to fight back with. Yeah. All right, still to come, Danielle Show on Kyle Lowry's return. Final week of the Raptors season. Justin Bourne, head of the Leafs and Lightning. We'll talk about Bruce Boudreaux's future in Vancouver. Why isn't he already locked up for next season? And it's wager week on Sportsnet. Our friend Carell Richards is all over it. He'll join us in studio to discuss next into the press. Right now, one of the biggest conversations amongst Leafs Nation is who would be the optimal first-round matchup. That Calgary team is, I think, one of the top contenders for the Stanley Cup. Tim and friends, truly friends right now, a new era of sports betting has arrived, please. Follow at SNBets on Twitter and the Gram. For all the action, tune in to Wager Week this week, right here on Sportsnet. That fine-looking man is sitting to my left. Let's go. You're right. That's what we do. It is Cabral Richards yes, who has joined me in studio wearing yes, another solid SNBets after storming the studio. <laughs> Earlier today, in I order did to challenge, but kick the door down. Yeah, the door is open. Kick in the door. Wave in the. You didn't wave anything. You, you, <laughs> but you, but you waved a, <laughs> you waved a bet in our face I did. while I we did. were working. I what did. the hell's going on here? Well, listen, this is this is day one of Wager Week. Yeah. Our SN Bets crew is amped. I know you guys are excited. You guys have been 
talking about betting for a while, so it's no real surprise. But I was like, we have the natty tonight, my G. Mm-hmm. And I know that you you have your well, you it's kind of Carolina blue, but it's also a little bit of Kansas blue as well. Oh <laughs> wow, yes, wow, the ones, it. those are so fire. I don't. Uh, I don't know if actually, didn't I say we were texting when you first got? I, those, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yes, uh, but the funny thing is, is as I as I rocked the Carolina blues. You came in saying that your crew, yeah, and this is an SN. Can you explain the SN bets versus idea yeah, that you yeah. guys have? So we are going to be storming other parts <laughs> of the Rogers campus. Yes, uh, just throwing up like, hey, every day we're challenging somebody else, and we're leaning into the squad that's out there on the gram, Twitter, people that hit us up in DMs, and just like, hey, wh- where are we riding, or who are we riding with today? And we did the same. So day one. We, and it's funny, yeah, you're wearing your Carolina blues, your, your, your ones, but our squad felt very particular about UNC, uh, UNC and maybe because Caleb Love's been amazing the yeah. past. He's had, like, the best three games of his career have been, like, it's the like, last like three games. Yield out there, just watching from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. it is star-making. Like, yeah. we saw Carmelo. I know that's a dated reference. Um, so we're on the side of UNC. and or, then Or experience. Doesn't have to be dated. That's Carmelo Anthony as a freshman turned into a dude he did. in the tournament. He did, yeah. yeah. And then they won. And, and like, maybe Caleb Love is doing that. Maybe it would be. Yeah, he's a talented young player. Um, and then your your community, like your squad, was on Kansas. You guys yeah. put out a poll or whatever earlier, and those dudes, eh, not those, but your 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 people were like, yeah. hey, we got to ride with the Jayhawks. Maybe it's Abaji has just been, I mean, that kid's, what was it, like six for six? Yeah, lottery pick. He's a lottery pick. Like six for six, I think, in the, in the, yeah, the was, yeah, that's what he was. I don't yeah. know what he finished, but all I just saw was he, you know what, he wasn't even the best player on the team, but he was so, he is the best player on the team, but he's just, he's so understated in his game Yeah. that, like, his brilliance is almost lost. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, he do, he doesn't. He's just so smooth with. It I don't know who. We, we're not showing him here, but I, I don't know who. Like we always do the comps, like the NBA comps. This person is this, or this yeah, person yeah. is that, and I don't know how players actually feel about it. We we do it as a compliment, because you know the people that we're comparing them to are yeah. are proven or are elite talents. So anyway, okay, back to SN bets versus. Let's go. So tonight it's SN bets versus Tim and friends. Our squad is on UNC Carolina and Carolina. And your squad is on Kansas and the Jayhawks. Straight money line. Just straight, yeah, just straight up money line. Just like who's going to win the game? Just real simple. Mm-hmm. We don't have to get the, the spread involved or, uh, yeah, we don't get the spread just, just on the money line. So the last time we. And we're ha- going to break Tim's other finger <laughs> if Kansas loses. It's just ligaments. It's not, it's it's not, not broken. broken. It's just severed ligaments. That's all. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. we're gonna. So much worse. We're gonna crack the uh, the phalanges <laughs> me, in his finger on oh, the on the other side. Careful, oh, no. careful. What? <laughs> My wife's a chiropractor. Yes. Okay. So. Yeah. So that's the bet. Like. Last time I had to tweet, I lost a bet to you guys that <laughs> yeah. SM bets was I mean, my dad. Bet. I offered you three different bets, and you took one. And I, I had took to- the one that won. Yeah. I took the one that won. Salute to Anthony Edwards, who outscored Pascal Siakam in that game. It was Thursday. It was uh, T Wolves and Raptors, and there. And and Tim is a man of his word. He then tweeted SN bets is his daddy, and I'm happy to announce we have a son. He's bald like most newborns. 
Um, and this, you are a little bit wiser than most newborns, but we are happy that we have a child. We have a son. Okay, yes, so what's the bet right. this time? Because I got Kansas, you got, you guys got Carolina. Oh my God, we're doing it like. Okay, let's let it marinate. Like a torture bet, like a. I don't know. It could be anything. It could be money. Fish hooks. Be... No. <laughs> yeah, you know that's how Tim yeah. fights. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's yeah, what you told yeah, me. Yeah, that's yeah. how Tim fights. A fish hook with this one. <laughs> that would be <laughs> extra <laughs> gross. No doubt. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where we? Uh, yeah. Okay. So wait. You offered like twenty push-ups on demand. Did I ever tell you that Ray Lewis told me that? Like when when they used to when they used to when he was on the cover of Madden. This goes back a, a ways, but everybody would try to test him. And obviously, you're not going to test Ray Lewis in real life. Right. So you got to test him on the game, and meaning on the field, I should say, not in. All right. Um, and <laughs> then uh, and then so he, at the facility, he would just have like 20 push-ups on demand, and that's the first time I ever heard it. So it goes back a few ways. I don't know 20, if you were 20 on demand. 20 on demand. Yeah. Drop and give me 20. Yeah. And obviously, it was Ray Lewis saying you got to do it. But sorry, okay. But you off, so you offered that as one of the one yeah. of the three. It was uh, uh, tweeting out that SM Betts was your daddy. And then what was the third one? Shaving my beard. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We need to. Yeah. Okay. Can we put that back on the table? Yeah, we can put. Let it marinate. Okay. And tell us what you got for us. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll come back with something after the commercial break. Oh, am I staying for the commercial through the commercial You're break? Staying through the commercial break. Okay. And you have a piece for I just, us. I just, so, invi- oh yeah, geez. I get- was going to say, <laughs> yeah. throw to your piece, right? Let it marinate, and then we can come back with something here. I forgot what I was here to do. I just am so used to talking smack to you. I got your back, just in regular life. So, by the way, let me just tell you something. What? You're not going to get the same reception that you get here when ambushing the rest of Sportsnet, all right? Just because we go back like a couple of years. That's true. That's true. You get warm receptions. You get. T-ups when you forget that you have your own piece yeah. that you brought for us. <laughs> I got your back, but you're not going to get the same reception everywhere. Noted, and I appreciate <laughs> you. So for you guys at home, we uh, collected some people behind the scenes, collect, and Jesse was a part of this. Listen, as you dip your toe into, into wagering, mm-hmm. just go slowly. Yeah. The, wa- the water is warm, but just operate at your own pace. And we have some advice for you before you make your very first wager. Tread lightly, please. Stop doing that. Cabby has one coming out that's like 10K, um, so let's not talk about that. Because the gambling gods will not reward that. The worst betting advice I've ever heard would be to bet the under. It is way less fun. I always bet the over because you want to cheer for goals and points. Always bet on your favorite team. I've seen some pretty sad dudes that are like huge Cowboys fans that are like, yeah, man, I'm rolling with the Cowboys. And it's like, I haven't seen you now in years. Don't bet with your heart. I've spent a lifetime watching sports. I have a passion for sports. And there's nothing better than the team you actually care about winning the game, but also winning a couple of ducats alongside. There is nothing better than that. Pulling a name out of a hat. Like, yeah, there's beginner's luck, but like, let's not do that. Don't succumb to it's a lock. The worst betting advice I have heard is to continue betting and chasing parlays. Like, just stop. Don't be doing that every single night. Please, stop doing that. Words of wisdom to the novices about sports betting. Set aside some money that you are comfortable losing no matter what. Don't bet more than you're willing to lose. Stalk a lot of these athletes' social media pages, because I'm telling you, if they're having relationship trouble, legal battles, you can get an edge on it, and you can actually uh, help yourself out and make some money along the way that way. Has that worked for you before? Absolutely. Oh, 
Never chase bet is a very slippery slope. And I uh, chased on Japanese curling, Japanese women's curling. Yeah, lost a lot of money. Uh, never bet when you're mad. Take a moment, refresh. You don't have to get back out there right away because the gambling gods will not reward that. Just sprinkle a few bucks here and there. Stick to your units, stick to a consistent betting amount. I'm starting at 50 cents and I'm slowly making my way up to a dollar risk, yeah. I would say I do 70% gut feeling and then I justify with a little bit of research, but I just kind of go with whatever comes first in my mind and hasn't worked that well, but that's what I stick with. Uh, I want to say that it's 50-50, but that's a, that's a lie. Like, obviously that's a lie. It's 99-1 in favor of heart overhead. I'm a human being. I'm flesh and blood. I'm not a robot. It's probably not even 99-1, to be honest. It's 100-0. It's gotta be 95% all on research. I mean, there's so many outlets out there to do your homework. If, if you're not doing that, you're, you might as well just be walking into casino and just throwing dice, gambling. You gotta stay calm and you gotta move on to the next bet. There's always that next bet, the next game, the next prop. You can bet on anything these days, so just chill out. Well said, well what, said. What's your best betting advice? Uh, I'm a research guy. So I, I use, uh, use uh, get research to then inform my decision. Um, and the, but the, actually, the best is don't don't chase for late games. And I yeah. I don't follow my own advice sometimes. But those West Coast games are so attractive. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're down a little I, bit. I just a little bit. You're just like ah, oh, let me just see. Monday what's... nighter might be a good call. <laughs> Do you like the game? No, but I'm gonna <laughs> bet on it. All right, we're gonna let our bet marinate a right. little while. We'll come back after the break, and perhaps we will discuss what the stake will be on the national championship. Oh Plus, we're going old school with Cabral Richards oh, in it. the loathing. We're going P.O. Dubs. Plays of the week are next here on Tim and Friends. Welcome up. back to Tim and Friends. Uh, truly here with a friend, Cabral Richards, who is in studio. We've been discussing a bet the entire commercial break. This is true. This is a fact. <laughs> and we've come up with some options. We can offer it up to the folks at home, at Tim and Friends, at SN Bets, if they have an idea of what we should bet on. But I feel like they're going to like these two options. So if Kansas loses, Tim's got to shave his beard. Right. If UNC loses, I shave my head. Or if Kansas loses, Tim has to eat a beef penis on a pizza. Sorry, you're going Serge Ibaka on this? I'm, I'm going Serge Ibaka and, and salute to how hungry are you. Right. Because I saw, I saw the episode with Damar on like a month ago. And then I obviously if UNC loses, I also suffer the same fate. Have, yeah. I'm going to be very careful with this, but have you ever had... No, man. What do you mean? <laughs> okay, I'm just... There, we there, both lived in Toronto for the last 20 years. There are some exotic cuisines that's in true. and around this area, and I just wondered if you ever dabbled in beef penis pizza. No, I have not. Okay. I, I haven't even eaten crickets. Like, we, yeah. like in Thailand, you have the... Right. Yeah, I haven't even had that love, that kind of protein. See, that's where we should have started, with, like, crickets before we get to beef penis. I know, but they, it just escalated quickly. <laughs> oh, my God. Shout out to the South Carolina, by the way, and their win on the weekend. <laughs> All right, so do you want to do the plays of the week? Yes, I do. Yes, All right, I do. let's do the plays. So, this, this is old school. This is taking really it is. back. It used to be the Tuesday tradition, plays of the week and cabbie <laughs> on the street. And because Cab was coming in today, we figured... We do a little plays of the week. Let's get it. Let's uh, get it. Let's do I'm it. Might, I might be a little bit rusty. We'll see. We'll be right. 
Uh, we get into some tasty it's the plays. Same music too. Some yeah, it is the same music. Some tasty <laughs> plays. Uh, not sure if that's following oh, COVID protocol. Absolutely not. Oh, this but is it's phenomenal. okay because the KT Wiz South Korean baseball team COVID nineteen officially over as they destroyed it. What's their budget over there? <laughs> like, didn't wasn't that dude on like a, a hover, like a hoverboard? Yeah, but that it was, was like Japanese. A, it was a ski do. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Sea do, ski do, sea do. I know a lot of people have seen this, but the Zegras between the legs before the Michigan, like oh. between the legs, stop, and then the Michigan, and around a play. That was phenomenal. Like that kid is amazing. Uh, Nick Paul, <laughs> yeah, Nick Paul to Ross Colton between the legs. This is straight, like, homies are doing this straight for the gram because they know that it's going to blow up on the gram, and that's what you got to do. Oh, wow. How about this? That's Johnny Hockey to the Raptors and then catching it. Oh, sick. I like the flow, too. He's having a great year. Great flow, great mitts. Yes. Silky mitts, bud. <laughs> Speaking of buds, this is Alexander Kerfoot quietly having a pretty good year. That's a nice play. That, didn't they beat him like 6-2 that game or something? Or 6-4? Well, how about Robbed this? Him. This is a Con Smythe Award winner in goal. And look what Connor McDavid does to Johnny Quick. McJesus is just that dude. I mean, good lord, the kid's amazing. <laughs> it's so tough. Uh, old school for you, Habs Lightning, Brian Elliott, double pad stack. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, that's like, that's straight out of the driveway or like the in the cul-de-sac type of save. Speaking of old school, Franco <laughs> Gudis. How about this? Kirby Doc up and over. This is like my basement as the younger folk. <laughs> Just jump over the pile, you'll be fine. This is straight out of 2002. <laughs> this is not. My guy's got an iPad on the bench. So this is Ty Smith engrossed in his tablet. Doesn't realize intermission. Kitties come out and he's like the rest of us. Sorry, sir, you gotta go around. No way. <laughs> they send him around. A lot of talk about fighting this weekend, but this is senseless. This is a brutal fight. <laughs> Zach Bogosian <laughs> and his son. <laughs> Little fella couldn't even. No, he gets back up. Oh, he no, he okay. stay down. He wasn't down for the count. Gets back up. Uh, Pascal Siakam, oh, a little spice. fettuccine Alfredo. Oh, very nice. A tasty dish. Spicy P actually doesn't like hot food. It's weird. Didn't he have his own hot sauce? Yeah, but it was super mild, bro. It was like you, you. It's like. You can put it on french fries. But it's a terrible nickname. What are we doing here? Uh, Giannis is just good. Oh, just bullying dudes. Mm -hmm. Get off me. Oh my god. Oh, homie. And Giannis is huge now. Viewer discretion advice for this one. Make sure your kids are out of the room for this vicious elbow landed. Or, <laughs> the sorry. This vicious elbow kind of sort of thrown. <laughs> Rivers got injected for that, right? Well, it was a second T, but he did get injected for it. For faking an elbow, he got ejected. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of this Will Smith, Chris Rock thing? Apparently, it's no, all is, the buzz. This yeah. is new for me. We all get motivation from strange places. Maybe now, even there. We're going to bob right again. We got to start with the left. We got new technique. We got to give him the Will Smith. What's the Will Smith? Right. Back, right? Technique Will Smith. He hit him with the palm of his hand, not the finger. He hit him with that palm right there. So we're going to give him that ball here. They're going to Will Smith his ass right now. And we're going to come out with the whip. You got it? You got me? So give me that. Give me a shave the chest with a Will Smith and a rip. God damn it, we're going to make a sack. You got me? <laughs> you, know, you, know that, you know that bro says everything with his chest. And he tells his, he tells his own, say it with your chest. He's like uh, Kevin Hart's uncle, Uncle Richard Jr. That's the real life Uncle Richard Jr. So good. Uh, all right, let's go baseball. 
It's approaching Mary J. Blige, Josh Palacios. That's right, we're looking for real glove. I'm looking for that real glove. <laughs> A couple of days later, Jay's playing Tigers again. Little Yachty, how about some glove music? I like. Ooh! That's stretch Riley out. Green. Like, oh, yeah, this is, wasn't this yesterday? A couple days ago? Yeah, yeah. Rumsmania 38? Do you know that, that. Come on! Vince McMahon is still out there getting crumpled? Vince McMahon getting the stunner at 75. <laughs> and lastly, Spurs fans feeling pretty good. It's safe to say they're feeling it a little bit right now. Yeah, yeah. Since you've been gone, how come I never hear you say, I just want to be with you? Guess you never felt that. I'm just so focused on the on the performer. Real or game ops? What's what's that? Was that planted by game ops or actually real? Real? Ooh, I think I'll go real. Jesse, what are they saying we're gonna do here? Go to break. I mean the beef penis thing. Oh, oh my, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I do have a tweet, actually. So we're, we're watching the game tonight. Like, uh, yeah. well, Tears and hair grows back, but eating a beef penis lasts forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jack. Is that mean we're doing that? Yeah. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll visit with Sean McKenzie in Tampa ahead of the Leafs and Lightning. Danielle me show with her takeaways from Kyle Lowry's return in Toronto. Tim and friends on a Monday. Cabby, thank you, and we will see you later to watch this game and decide what this bet is. I don't feel good about your chances. I'm quietly confident. And that's it, bets. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Well, thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360, taking you up until 7 Eastern. Rogers hometown hockey will check in with Ron and Tara from Edmonton live later on. Justin Bourne on all things hockey. Danielle Me show on Kyle Lowry and the Raptors, but we start with that hometown hockey thing. Leafs and Lightning. Tasty dish. Said that like three times in the last hour. It's on Sportsnet in a potential first round playoff preview. Teams enter the night tied in the standings, second and third in the Atlantic. Jack Campbell will start in goal for the Leafs, his second straight since returning from injury. And speaking of injuries, there is plenty more on the Leafs front. With that, let's send it live to Tampa and our friend Sean McKenzie, who is standing by. Sean, what's going on? Tim, my earpiece was cutting in and out. Did you just call me a tasty dish? You know what? Why not? Yes. Our tasty dish in Tampa, Sean McKenzie. <laughs> I have been tanning for many days in a row, so I'll take <laughs> nice. the compliment gladly. Thank you. 
Here's what I have for you. There's a little bit of unknown going into this game for the Maple Leafs. William Nylander not at practice yesterday due to an illness. There was no morning skate, just an optional and a meeting for the Maple Leafs. So we do not know exactly what the lineup will look like. Sheldon Keefe telling us that Nylander is a game-time decision. So that's something to keep an eye on in the next hour or so. We know that the good news for the Maple Leafs, Jack Campbell was back on Saturday night, and he is back for this one. And then the rest of the lineup will all depend on if William Nylander is in. Kyle Clifford could stay in. Jason Spezza could remain out. But as mentioned, uh, a lot of moving parts, all depending on if William Nylander will go. The other bit of good news for the Maple Leafs is Jake Muzzin is very, very close to a return. He will not play here in Tampa, but Sheldon Keefe saying it is possible tomorrow night against the Panthers. So great news for the Maple Leafs on that front. With Hotel California banging on the organ behind so Sean good. McKenzie. Focused on uh, that might be the Leafs' playoff hopes on a dark desert highway. But let me ask you this. Is there any talk within the team about managing Jack Campbell in the time they have left before the postseason, especially with Peter Morazic's injury? Not that I've heard specifically, hmm. and it's an interesting take because when you look at what you have to do down the stretch here well home ice is important so they weren't shying away from the fact this morning especially coming into this building knowing that this could be a potential opponent just what home ice would mean Morgan Riley saying yeah you know now that fans are back in the building now that there's that energy now that they're not going to be playing a potential game seven in front of empty buildings in Canada that yeah. having home ice would be a a pretty nice touch and uh, for Jack Campbell I think what exactly are you looking to manage right now I think the thing you want to manage right now is expectations is before he was injured, there was some unknown. What yeah. was he? Is he going to get his game back? He was an all-star goaltender, and he looked that way for the most of the season. So down the stretch now, I think what you want to see is, is he going to get back to that form? You can't rely on Peter Morazic anymore. He is out of the picture. Shalgren, well, there's still some unknown there. He's been good, but that's not necessarily a young guy you want to rely on in the playoffs. So the big thing for the Maple Leafs, I think, internally, externally, fans, management, teammates, is can Jack Campbell return to all-star form? And this is a pretty good stage tonight to see just how he fares against a pretty good Tampa Bay Lightning team. Yeah, that's, for me, it's it's expectations, it's health, and it's Jack Campbell's confidence that the Leafs need to work on for the rest of this season because we all know this season meant nothing until the postseason. Sean McKenzie, you mean everything to me. Thank you for doing this, tasty. you tasty little dish, you. Tasty dish signing off from Tampa. <laughs> there is Sean McKenzie, everybody. All right. Meanwhile, the Flames have lost three straight, entering tonight's game against a division rival in the Kings. Now, the Flames lead the Pacific, but it has shrunk just three points over L.A. heading in. Over the weekend, Flames lost Sean Monahan for the season, while Jacob Markstrom is scheduled to start once again for the Flames tonight. You can see the game on Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 1 at 10.30 Eastern. That, of course, is 8.30 local. To baseball, and a bit of a surprise from Jay's land today, as Greg Bird exercised a release clause in his contract because he believes that others will be interested and thus was released by the Jays. After a great spring, it was widely expected that Bird would make the team as that big left-handed bat. And Ben Nicholson-Smith reporting a short time ago that Gosuke Kato has made the team. Kato, a 27-year-old left-handed bat, utility fielder. And I'm not just saying utility infielder. My guy plays all over the diamond. Infield, outfielder. He's a great story, a career minor leaguer who's spent most of his time in the Yankee season. And he's been best known for wearing Robbie Ray's tight pants in spring training. 
We'll get you more on him a little later on. The Jays shipped, shipped out, excuse me, be careful with this. Reese McGuire over the weekend, trading him to the White Sox for catcher Zach Collins. And a reminder, opening day at the Rogers Center is this Friday. We will be there live on the field for our show starting at 5 Eastern time. For those wondering what the Jays did today, taking on the Tigers, Kevin Gossman making his Blue Jays spring training debut. Bottom of the first some good early reviews gets Robbie Grossman three straight change-ups for the strikeout he had only seven pitches to get out of the first which means he's going to be awesome no it means he got out of the first in spring training Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ropes one to left hustling homie ask about him look at this beats the on a day where Ben Nicholson Smith was talking about 30-30 for Vlad if he wanted it that's scary he was stranded there bottom of the fourth Man on, Tigers' big acquisition. Javier Baez fights off this 2-2 pitch from Gossman, flares it to right. Run comes in to score to give the Tigers a 1-0 lead. Bottom of the sixth, Willie Castro jumps on this Gossman offering. Down with OFP, little opposite field power. 2-0 Tigers, Gossman, two earned runs, three hits, three Ks over six innings. I'd say that's a pretty good outing, even though the Tigers win 4-2 your final. Big blow for the Red Sox, who will be without Chris Sale for at least the first two months of the season after putting him on the 60-day IL. He has a rib fracture, which will keep him out until at least June. Left-hander only made nine appearances in the past two seasons combined. To the NBA, and the Nets have ruled out Ben Simmons for the remainder of the regular season and the play-in tournament. Simmons, who was acquired from Philly for James Harden back in February, hasn't played this season, recovering from a herniated disc in his back, among other things. Play-in tournament starts Tuesday with the first round of the playoffs set to begin on April 16th, and the Nets currently sit 10th in the East. It's a place I called home for a long time. Won a lot of basketball games here, set a lot of records here. We love him. Hope to God we ruin his night. It's just a special place. Not my home building anymore, but it's a place I always call home. My job is now to kick his ass. Fred with the left. Now you see me, now you don't. Freddie, he's not letting Kyle Lauer steal a show. And it's good. Rockford's finest breaks Lowry's record. Single season, 239 made threes. Here's Van Vliet attacking Lowry. Finishes over top, and look at the smile from Fred. Lowry in the corner, three, good. Heat lead by one. Everything you would expect between the Raptors and the Heat. Opposite corner. Oladipo, deep three, and he nails it. And the Heat take it 114-109. Kyle Lowry is going to take that basketball and go home. It was a crazy game before, during, and after as Groat Night was celebrated in Toronto from the Raptors on Sportsnet broadcast. Let's bring in my friend and yours, Danielle Michaud, who rejoins the squad, getting a round of applause from Jesse Rubinoff and audio. Welcome back, Danielle. How are you? Hi, Uncle Timmy. I'm thrilled to be here and appreciate that clap from Jesse. I texted him prior to make sure that he would, uh, you know, ensure a good stay on the ball over here. I, I can't yeah, clap anymore, Jesse. Uh, Danielle. Yeah, that's you know, why I've got a bit of an injury. Loud. I'll just give you one of those. 
bang on a damn furnace. I'll take it. Hey, but am I your girl, girl? Like, that's what I need to figure out before <laughs> nice. Guy, guy, girl, girl? Nice. I got it, yeah, right? Yeah, you are, you are among my girl girls, without a doubt. Perfect. Uh, so where does that rank among games that you have been at live? I mean, that was kind of a special day. The whole event, I was trying to think of one word to describe it and, you know, energy and emotion and all those things were, were thrown out there. But pure was what it was for me because everything from start to finish felt like a, the most positive celebration and a shared moment. I, I got there really early yesterday, Timmy, and wandered around. And it was as simple as seeing like the welcome back, Kyle, right on the big screen as you got down where Jurassic Park normally would be set up. And then the memories start coming, right? And then you go in and I saw the two people who set up the big balloon arrangement when you walk in off the main doors. And they said, I hope Kyle likes it. We've been working on it since 6 a.m. And it was welcome <laughs> Toronto nights. So that was, you know, the, the origination of that uh, balloon spectacle. But it was every single person in the building had this raw emotion for what Kyle means to them personally. Everyone had a different story, a different memory. And it really was, uh, maybe because we've been starved of it so long, yeah. a cool moment. Because when the lights went down and the intro happened and he walked into the center of the court, I, like I, my heart was going a million miles a minute. The girl in front of me was swiping away tears. Like I was trying to hold it together because I'm going, it is emotional. Like this is a big, a really big deal. And we haven't seen anything like it, right? Yeah, that's the part of this that I think makes it so pure. Well, I mean, Cameron and Carter made it really pure too, having his two yes. sons at center court and sitting beside him as he watched the video tribute made it very pure. But just the fact that this franchise has had such like, a sketchy past with all of its stars to have this moment and have the return and it not be booze but like round everywhere was just smiles and that's yeah, that's something the franchise needed there was zero suggestion that there'd be any negative reaction right. to Kyle Lowry coming back right and if anything I actually walked in and I had tweeted this out I was I was surprised there weren't like thank you Kyle shirts I thought the whole arena would be full of like some Kyle swag but I get that it's a bit of a weird situation where you're celebrating the greatest player that ever played for your franchise and then oh yeah actually tip offs in five minutes so if you could just like you know <laughs> go back to your sides and we're gonna get this going so it, in that way it was you know a bit underwhelming I kind of wanted to hear Masai speak or I wanted speeches from the other guys or a speech from Kyle but those things can't happen right now right we got to save those for when he retires for when <laughs> his jersey's to the rafters so for what it was and and considering how long we've waited for it I think it was absolutely perfect and it's funny you mentioned his sons because for me a lot of the memories that I have with Kyle Lowry always involved his sons because I would interview him after, for example, the 30-point comeback against the Mavs. I went out on the court to interview Kyle after, and his kids immediately you know, run right on right beside Dad and were there for the whole interview. And I have such a cool picture that you know they're right in there and eyes wide. And even when he was named an All-Star for the sixth time, and said, you know, it's what's really cool for me is sharing this with my sons who understand now. They they really get what's going on. They've grown up on the sidelines watching me play. So these accomplishments mean that much more to me and showed me a video of them reacting when he was named. And so for my whole experience with Kyle really revolved around his his two boys. And, and I loved to see that come full circle in this way. Uh, you know that I like the people who like sports, like the people who yes. are in this business because they love sports. And I know you're one of them. And one of the cool things for me was the reminder that 
Sometimes things can turn like this in sports. And for a while, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan represented folks that couldn't get over the hump, that weren't able to do it when it mattered the most. And then in a season, his entire legacy changes and you get what you got last night. I thought that was a wonderful reminder of everyone who watches sports. Sometimes things can turn in a hurry, so don't be so quick to judge, especially in a spot like mine where every day we come out here and we talk about those things. Sometimes it can flip quick. Well, and it's it was unique because we we rode with him the whole way through those highs and lows, right? Like We saw the times when... It was really tough. And you think of that moment, that missed shot early on when DeMar was consoling Kyle and you're going like, oh, my God, are they ever going to get through? Uh, and and finally, they did. And the consistency, right, Kyle leading them to the postseason so many years in a row, like that matters. He was always a part of that. And, and you know, I have to shout out my guy, Michael Grange. I'm sure you've read the article. You've talked to him about it. He wrote about Kyle and his legacy and how his, you know, the fingerprints of everything that he is is in this organization and that's so cool to me because the identity of this team still has kyle in it and and that was so apparent last night when he kept kind of catching himself almost acting like he's still a part of the raptors because for him he always will be that will never go away i firmly believe to know where you're going you have to know where you come from and that's part of where they have come from so let me ask you about the final four and i'm not talking about kansas and and north carolina i'm talking about the final four games of the raptors season uh what do you see in these last four games and what do you want to see from the raptors i see some concerning things that's for sure like their spot is safe right the magic number is two at this point cleveland is trailing off a little bit so they're they feel like they're a lock at at where they're at it's you know five or six is five is doable the bulls have the uh tiebreaker but you know it could be done playing atlanta right now not ideal trey young named player of the week the guy is absolutely scorched earth uh proving that he needs to be always in the conversation as one of the best point guards in the game i think uh you know houston would be nice but we know the raptors records against teams that are underwhelming and i really think the Philadelphia game is obviously what will be on Sportsnet. One, you got to circle if we want to do the measuring stick yeah. thing. And also the big co- topic of conversation, Timmy, is who's going to be in the lineup. And that matters very much when we look further ahead to who the Raptors might play in the first round, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I, I honestly believe, like, you get your magic number, you clinch that spot, you make mm-hmm. sure you do, and then you rest. Like, you give people as much of a rest as you possibly can. I'm going to well, let you go because okay. I know... I know your phone just buzzed. I know. I, I, did you hear that? I was yeah. like, I want to make sure everyone knows. It was just my phone. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, Jesse texting. Exactly. All right. Uh, so uh, take care of that. And I always I like catching up with you. Thanks for doing this with us. You too. Thanks, guys. See All you. Right. There is Danielle Michaud, uh, part of our Raptors on Sportsnet broadcast. We're going to take a quick break. We are days away from the start of the J season. How many steals could Vladdy put up this year? What's the deal with What's the deal with the Greg Bird move? Plus, Ghost K Kato, Kato, Koto. He made the team. We'll get the latest from Arash Madani and Dunny next. Tim and Friends continues on a busy Monday in the world of sports. Is Tiger confirmed yet, Jesse, or are we still just reports? It's it's getting very close. Getting closer. Yeah, right, well, yeah I'm monitoring it. I'm on it. Jesse will be on it. We'll bring it to you as soon as possible. 
Also a busy day in Jay's land with roster decisions as we get closer to opening day, which is Friday. That's right, Jay's Rangers Friday. Let's get caught up to date as we check in with Arash Madani in Dunedin. The moment Gosuke Kato had always dreamed of but never imagined would actually happen did here on Monday afternoon. Charlie Montoyo approached him in the visitors' clubhouse of the single-A ballpark, extended his hand and offered congratulations. Hand on his heart, Coteau had no idea what for. It was a career that began nearly a decade ago with so much promise as a second-round pick of the Yankees and had morphed into becoming one of the endless names on the transaction wire, bouncing from one minor league stop to another. Until Monday, here, when at last, at the age of 27, Coteau was given the word he'd made the bigs with the Blue Jays. I'm a product of thousands of people who helped me throughout my career, um, you know, all the way from T-ball to you know, these, uh, these wonderful staff with the Blue Jays that I've been able to work with the past uh, five to six weeks. Um, and I wish you know, they were all here um, you know, behind my back right now. It's always been a project to get here. And uh, that was 2013, and here we are nine, ten years later in 2022. Um, a lot of people, um, I've, I've crossed paths with a lot of people, and they've all helped me. That was honest, that was raw, that was moments after Coteau had been given the word from Charlie Montoyo as we welcome in Ben Nicholson-Smith. At, at one point, you asked him a question, and, and he couldn't even process what was happening. Very, very cool moment. Uh, let's talk about the baseball side. Here is a versatile player who can do a lot of different things, kind of like Kevin Biggio does on this roster. What uh, what else can we expect from him? Yeah, he can play some first, some second, some third, either corner outfield position. He's not someone who's necessarily going to hit a ton of home runs. Even Biggio probably has more power than Coteau, but he had really good bat-to-ball skills that allowed him to hit over 300 when he was playing in the Padres organization at AAA last year. So someone who can really make good contact, give you a good at-bat. That's what the Jays are looking for, and he does hit from the left side, which is a bonus. Yeah, and he gets the nod over Greg Bird, also a left-handed hitter who took his release with the club on Monday. Starting for the Blue Jays here in Lakeland against the Tigers, Kevin Gosman, who admitted to us, I can't believe it's just been one big league start in games here in spring training. That's the uh, nature of the beast with a shortened spring. He'd done a lot of his work on the backfields. Uh, threw 68 pitches in the game, went to the bullpen, threw another 20 or so, and he said outside of fastball command, he's exactly where he wants to be right now. Um, this, you know, He's pitched in the AL East before. Blue Jay fans are going to see him on Saturday against Texas. This is going to be somebody who knows how to pitch in the big leagues. Yeah, exactly. And he's a really different pitcher than he was the last time he was in the American League East. I mean, with Baltimore, he was more of that traditional starter mixing in a bunch of different pitches. But since then, he's become a two-pitch guy, splitter and fastball. It's worked great for him. He's obviously here on that big contract for a reason. The Blue Jays think that he can be a a really impactful starter for them. And, And really, I think that it's fair to expect him to be a number two starter for this team moving forward. Jose Barrios in that number one spot for the team for now. But Gosman's someone with that fastball and splitter. He's become a different guy, and it really works well. And it looks like the Blue Jays are going to break camp with three catchers. Danny Jansen's got the number one job. They like Alejandro Kirk's bat as well. And Zach Collins, who on Sunday was acquired from the White Sox in a deal for Reese McGuire, all signs indicate that he will make the club too. 
Oh, that's very interesting, the three-catcher thing. I thought the Reese McGuire deal was made because he had no more options and that Zach Collins could be sent down because he had options left. And they were going to go with two? Is, there's no, like, uh, there's a lot of Jays fans right now thinking that that was to open the door to perhaps a deal and perhaps maybe the Guardians were still looking to yeah. deal perhaps a third baseman because they hadn't signed him yet. Yeah, I, I, a lot of Jays fans still, I guess with their smoke, there might be fire when it comes to the Jose Ramirez thing, but they're going to go with three catchers until they aren't. They don't have to do it for very long if they're going to make a deal. No, so we'll and the see. expanded rosters and all those. Yeah. I don't know why you would carry three catchers, though, in my mind. Like, why wouldn't you use utility, depth, and or pitching and go with two unless, catchers? Unless Alejandro Kirk, like, the reason he's there for the most part is because of his bat, right? So you don't. You can use him more as a bench guy to hit as opposed right. to being behind the plane as often as he otherwise would be. For those who don't know, Gosuke does sound Japanese. It is Japanese, mm. but he was born in California, raised in California, and that's why he was a second-round pick of the New York Yankees. So for those wondering, wait a second, how does the Japanese guy get drafted? Well, he's American of Japanese descent. Uh, his middle name is John. Nice. Yeah. How many people would walk away in that scenario that – he went through second round pick yeah you know 10 seasons of not making it to where you want to go and a big part of the the labor negotiations was minor league circumstances right minor league salaries and and that sort of thing and here's a guy who's done it for 10 years 10 years and now he's finally to get the break i mean that is just a lesson in in perseverance and it's an an amazing story that we don't think you'd be getting in the last week of spring training those are one of those that everyone cheers for right the guy who has three thousand plate appearances in the minor leagues and is going to go to his chance to play in the major leagues and actually make a team i don't Mm -hmm. know how long it lasts and we had a tiger lurking earlier and now we (laughs) now have a blue jay lurking (laughs) the nature channel yeah where's david attenborough when you need him yeah Whoa, that is. So there's a that there's was Tim, a, by the way. People a, were that was that was ridiculous. We were hiding it. We were just. I know. I was adding I sound to, effects. I had to. <laughs> I had to put you on blast. Are, are you excited for this Jay season? Is that a is that a rhetorical question? Is there any Blue Jay? Well, I'm. It's not really a rhetorical question. It's a it's a continuation question. More yes. excited for Tiger oh, I see what you did lurking there. behind you or the Jays season at lurking this very moment? You. At this very moment, I would rather have a Tiger behind me. Right. But come Monday, or I guess Tuesday, because I'll still be celebrating the victory on Monday. Tuesday, right. it'll be Blue Jay season. Asking you shall receive. Time for <laughs> a break. You. We'll continue <laughs> to get you set for the Leafs and the Lightning coming up next. Justin Bourne will join me. We'll talk about the Pacific, the future of Bruce Boudreaux, and why he's not signed yet. And more on the Ducks and Coyotes incident that is blowing up social media. Should Jay Beagle be suspended? We'll discuss that next, right here on Tim Friends. Welcome back. Counting down to Rogers Hometown Hockey from Edmonton, followed by the Leafs and the Lightning on Sportsnet. William Nylander, game time decision. Jack Campbell will start. Second game back in net for the Leafs. Went to the night tied with the Lightning in the standing. Here is head coach Sheldon Keefe on the challenges facing the two-time defending champs. Really, obviously, the additions they made the deadline 
you know, give them uh, increased depth and everybody slots in well for them that way. You know, goes without saying how dangerous their top six are and, and, and you know, the depth and versatility they have on defense, strong goaltending. And so, you know, they're, they're obviously a formidable opponent and, uh, you know, we'll have to be at our best. Be interesting to watch that game and whether or not Tampa takes the Boston route on trying to send some messages to this Leafs team if they are going to indeed face each other in the postseason. All right, earlier in the show, I got my first crack at the Jay Beagle, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras nonsense from the weekend. Now, I understand sometimes when you send out a tweet and you use part of the script, people will just look at the script that we put out there and not listen to what was, I think, about a four-minute diatribe <laughs> on what I thought happened in that moment with True. lots of context. However, it was Beagle who broke the code is what we tweeted out. He pounded on a guy who doesn't play that way. That is dishonorable. Uh, if you were watching, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you weren't, you can go ahead and go to at Tim and Friends to figure out what I said, but people are still responding. Jesse, from the initial... Rant to that tweet. Yeah, so you're going to have to stop me uh, when you want to move on here because people are still responding to the take. Uh, Deborah says, Tim, your take is 100% spot on. Let's see what the NHL and or the Ducks do. Hashtag Beagle in the doghouse. D pity. Uh, (laughs) uh, Whoa, at Tim and Friends absolutely nailed it tonight. Hashtag hockey code. Jason says... What Tim says about the code couldn't be more honest or truer statement. I played high-level D1 baseball, and for people who didn't play at the high level, don't understand the unwritten rules are there to help the guys police themselves. Evan, I like hockey. It's a great game, but so often NHL games are problematic. When is fighting going to be a game misconduct? No other sport lets players who fight stay in the game. The code happens when rules aren't enforced. Logan. I agree with that. I understand where Tim's coming from, but when you skate into a scrum, you should be prepared to get punched or end up in a fight. You're taught from peewee up to always protect yourself. So like you said, it's 5 nothing. Why even engage if you're a skill player? A fight's too big. Because you just cross-checked your guy, and you're just going in there to protect the guy who is prone on the ground because he thought maybe he was going after Zegris, but in yes. the end, he thought incorrectly. Like the... Where ter- when Terry came into it, that's when things escalated because the poke, I mean, that's been happening in hockey forever, and I don't think anybody even has a problem. If you poke the goalie, You're gonna get there's going to be a response, yep. right? But it was yep. when Terry came in and then Beagle beat up on Terry where things uh, escalated. JJ, 100% agree. That's the only way guys like Beagle get what, the what hell they deserve. Going on? I didn't think everyone would agree with this. Imagine if he beat up Marner. As a Leaf fan, I wouldn't be happy unless Clifford or Simmons beat the face off him. The code must be followed or pay the piper. Kieran, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So <laughs> not everybody close. agrees. With That's it. a good closer. All right, uh, Justin Bourne joins us now, NHL analyst for Sportsnet, co-host Real Kipper and Bourne, at JT Bourne on Twitter. What's going on, Justin? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I have uh, been fully enthralled by the debate, and I, uh, I too, agreed with much of your point, Timmy. Really? I, I must have done something wrong here to have so many people agree on Twitter or Jesse's being nice happen. to me. Yeah, I know uh, you didn't think that that no, was going to happen. No, I wasn't sure that wasn't going to happen. I, I, cuz there there was some uh, like there was some nuance to what I was attempting to say in the moment and that is that the code's there for a reason and a lot of people who are ripping on the code after this don't realize that Beagle's the one who broke it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what's funny? So I played, I was Beagle's teammate for two years in university. So I'm right. very familiar with the guy. And, you know, pretty even-tempered guy, not a tough guy. Like, you check out Jay Beagle's fighting record over his career. His last fight was in 2011. That's 11 years ago. And if you recall, Aaron Asham knocked him out and did the old sleep thing after. Like, Beagle's not a fighter is my point. Right. So it all feels very out of character for the guy. At the same time, it happened. He did it. And watching it. I can't help but like, but think that after you throw three or four of these punches, two or three maybe, the guy still got his gloves on. He's got his helmet down. He's not fighting. Yeah, he's not fighting back. So I, you know, it's on you at that point to stop hitting an unwilling combatant. Now all the points, and Nick Kiprios made the point on our show today that you skate into that scrum, and other people made this point. You have to be prepared that it's physical, and you may have to defend yourself. And 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 I get all that. But I think it's reasonable to skate into a scrum, to talk to someone, to grab someone, to pull them out of the pile. There are other things you can be skating into a scrum for. These people are acting like you skate into a scrum every time. It's mitts off. It's not 1980. (laughs) You know, so he's skating into the scrum. And I I think he can be, be doing that for other purposes, be prepared to defend himself. When he's not defending himself, this really falls on Beagle, and I, and I think there should be some pu- additional punishment there. Here's here's the part. Like it says in the rule book, if you fight an unwilling combatant, it's a match penalty. And we ne- – like Taylor Hall didn't get it when he sucker punched Labushkin, and I know there were mitigating circumstances and caveats that I would throw on that too, but there is a penalty in the – and I heard Kevin BX. I thought it was a great back and forth in the weekend uh, between Bottrell – Bieksa and Kelly Rudy, but Bieksa was like, I don't know what you'd suspend him for. The rule book. Like, yeah, the rule book but- says if you fight an unwilling combatant, it's a match penalty. And that's like, that's what I thought that was. Yeah, no, and by the rule book, this is the problem, is that there are yes. so many things when you pull out the rule book, you <laughs> yeah. know, that, you that rule book thing. <laughs> It gets in the way. But, yeah, you mentioned the, like, Hall and Labushkin. It's retaliatory. It's to an unsuspecting person that caused injury. Checks a lot of the rule book boxes. But we, we there is stuff like force. And you can say that the uh, punch from Larkin to Joseph, which was similar to this play, um, had additional force on this. Like, the Beagle one, there's no shortage of force. Um, right. I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough play. It definitely feels like the type of play – I still love fighting in hockey, uh, personally, but it seems like the type of play that you obviously want to punish and say to guys, uh, can't punch people who aren't willing to fight. So uh, this seems like a bit of a no-brainer, as upset as some of the more old-school types are. Are are you for the code, against the code, realize its place? Like, where are you on the the map of the code and the unwritten rules? Because modern-day Twitter hates the code. I know, but it has its purpose. I think... The code doesn't exist the way we used to make fun of it. Even 10 years ago when it was like, ah, you speared a guy, now you must. I challenge you to a duel, and our two <laughs> toughest players must square off in a separate boxing match. Right. Like, we don't, we don't really do that anymore. There's not enough guys in the lineup that can't play and just fight. So, I don't know. The code at some point now feels more like, don't hit our guys or we're going to get upset at your guys. And right. I think that's a reasonable message to send to people that we are unified and we, we're almost obligated to defend one another. So there is some measure of it that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. This whole code thing around this play, but I don't, I don't really see it anywhere. Nothing about it looks like the code to me. All right. 
what about uh, Rogers' hometown hockey tonight? We'll start with the Leafs and the Lightning. To me, speaking of the code and old-school hockey, there may be some message sending going on here with both teams, and I wonder if Tampa doesn't uh, pick up the old blueprint that Boston left on the ground and trying to beat up on the Leafs, even though Boston lost that game. Yeah, well, I think in years past, you'd look at this Leafs team and say, you know, I'm not sure if they're up for those type of challenges. And maybe that's been true. Maybe their stars have been younger and haven't thrived in environments that have been physical and testy. But, boy, I, I sure like their, their answer against Boston. You know, what toughness looks like for this Toronto Maple Leafs team isn't going to be punching guys in the face. It's not going to be beagling anyone. It's going to be, you know, continuing to play through when this happens. When Marshawn gets at you, when he's jawing at you, you keep playing, you keep going to the net, you keep finding yourself in scrums because you're poking at loose pucks. You just have to continue to play, and that does involve taking a little abuse, and that's a different kind of toughness. But when you're not really going to take it to anyone else, I, I think the Leafs have to find their way to to take it and show that they will uh, earlier I was talking to Sean McKenzie and, and to be honest with you I'm a little concerned with the injury to Peter Morazic and how it affects the way the Leafs play Jack Campbell down the stretch because I think they're they're managing expectations on him they're managing his health because they can't afford to lose him and they're managing his confidence because we've seen him be hard on himself in the past what do you make of the way that the Leafs handle Jack Campbell down the stretch here well, I think it's a really difficult question, and I think it's one where you're going to have to consult Campbell quite a bit yeah. in terms of you know the injury and how it's feeling, his rest and how he's feeling. Uh, you know, hopefully confidence is not an issue. But yeah, you're looking at 14 games. Quite frankly, you don't really care what kind of game condition Shalgren's in. If you're going to Shalgren, you've you're lost. If yeah. game three, you're down two nothing to either Florida, Tampa Bay, or Carolina, it doesn't really matter. So this is all about how do you get Jack Campbell in a place where he feels comfortable. I think for me, you know, looking at Campbell, that involves playing pretty frequently, getting some wins. You know, you don't just want to, you know, avoid the soft teams. I think it's okay to put Campbell in there against some softer teams and, you know, feel good about the way his game is going. The one thing that stands out to me, Tim, is, you know, we had Jim Ralph on our show earlier this year, and he said that if you look at when Campbell's played well as a Leaf, it's when he's had no back pressure from a goalie. Freddie Anderson gets hurt at the end of last season. It becomes right. Campbell's net, and he goes on a run. This season, at the start of the year, Mrazek hurt is hurt. It's all his crease. He goes on a run. He's been worse when he's had pressure from other goaltenders. I, I feel like this is a good spot for Campbell. No one's behind him. It's your crease, buddy. Do your thing. Uh, I'm expecting to be him to look better than he did during his rough patch there January, February. All right, Rogers Hometown Hockey coming up on the network less than 16 minutes away. Also on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet West tonight, 10.30 Eastern, 8.30 local in Calgary. It's the Flames and the Kings. Um, Calgary struggling a little bit, all of a sudden getting banged up a little bit, and the rest of the teams in the Pacific playing some pretty good hockey. Are you worried about the Flames' positioning here? No, I'm not overly worried about them. The one thing I think with this Flames, last I checked, they were sixth in the NHL in terms of offensive output, like goals per game. Okay. You know, this is a team that I I worry about because if you go back about three years, they were second in the NHL in goals per game. Then the last two years, it dried up. We're talking the right. bottom third of the NHL when Goudreau went cold and, and Monaghan stopped scoring. 
I just wonder about their offense because I don't worry about how they built the team physically. They can defend, they forecheck, they do all those Daryl Suttery things. But, you know, Goodrow does have a, a history of going cold in the postseason. You don't really have any of the elite offensive guys in the NHL. I know uh, Lindholm is having a great year. Chuck is a, a top 10 scorer. But I don't think you, you think of those guys as your pure I don't know, your elite point getters necessarily, or goal scorers anyway. So I just want to know if those guys can keep going, if they can find a way to keep getting offense. I don't worry about them defensively or goal, or with their goaltending. It's amazing. You talk to folks in Calgary about Johnny Goudreau, MVP-type season, and a lot of people are waiting to see what he does in the postseason before they start guaranteeing millions and millions of dollars familiar here in Toronto yeah, I mean not about the contract situation but everyone's like sure Mitch Marner is you know on an absolute tear over 30 games yeah. but show me in a month it feels like yeah. no one cares for a lot of these guys till it's the postseason without a doubt Barney I always appreciate you doing this yeah anytime thanks for having me on there is uh Justin Bourne here on Tim and Friends time for one last break by the way mm. the Bruce Boudreaux deal we're gonna have to spend some time on that very very soon unless we hear of a deal then we'll just talk about the actual deal. But until then, coming up, we'll check in with Ron and Tara from Edmonton, live hometown hockey coming up. Leafs and Lightning coming up. Our Monday tip of the cap, though, goes to the Ottawa Senators. Last night, the team paid tribute to Eugene Melnick in their first home game since his death. The honor, the Sens honored Melnick with a pregame video tribute. Then went out and beat the Red Wings 5-2. Josh Norris had a hat trick in the win, becoming the Sens' first 30-goal score in 10 years. And there was more positivity on the day. Brady Kachuk joined kids on his way home for a neighborhood game of street hockey. That right there, my friends, is a good Canadian boy. Wait a second. He's from St. Louis. Either way. A good Canadian boy, Brady Kachuk. Love to see it playing a little road hockey where it's not outlawed. All right, 10 minutes away from sending it to Rogers Hometown Hockey, live from Edmonton. And we head there now, live with a preview of what we can expect. Here are the synergetic Ron McLean and Tara Sloan. Hey, Tim, thank you kindly. Just mentioning a moment ago, Eugene Melnick, God love him. The Ottawa Senators, Matt Marstrom, our producer, just told us a neat stat. Toronto's got 12 shorthanded goals, Tim. Did you know that in 06, 25 for the Ottawa Senators, they were six ahead of Philadelphia. Mike Richards was dynamite shorthanded, but Ottawa had a really great special teams, and we're looking forward to the Leafs. We are looking forward to the Leafs and the Lightning. I'm not sure all of Edmonton is gathered to see the Toronto big game against uh, Tampa tonight, but we had an amazing weekend here. 6,000 people came through throughout the course of the weekend. The festival's been going for three days. 2,000 Harvey's Burgers served. Lots of numbers to talk about tonight, including in our matchup. But I, I do want to make sure I mention our guests. Uh, former Oilers captain and U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer Doug Waite will join us. Really nice to talk to him. And Shannon Sabados. You know, Shannon Sabados, you can say she has a number of firsts and onlys. She has two Olympic gold medals. Uh, she's astonishingly accomplished. And lots more. Yeah, Devin Buffalo from Masquachis, uh, just south of here. Uh, really lovely feature on Devin. But, you know, I, I, I say Tara all the time. There's two places on Earth I felt the Earth move. One was uh, Cape Canaveral in Florida, where we're situated tonight. And one was Luzhniki Ice Palace to be on the ice where Paul Henderson scored was a big deal. But you and I were at center ice to drop the puck at the Oil Kings Red Deer Rebels game yesterday. And I didn't expect to experience the feeling I had. But there was Luke Prokop, number six of the Oil Kings, straight in front of us. And I, I literally... Uh, 
like you. I just didn't know what to do. I was so moved by seeing the, that source of inspiration that Luke has been. I, I actually had the urge to yell out, Luke, you're a hero. And, and he is to so many and to us. So uh, I know you sent a message to him. Yeah, I right away went to the uh, staff of the Oil Kings and said, let him know that uh, we're so proud of the work he's done and the advocacy. Uh, then I uh, got a text from Brent Sutter, not to drop names, but uh, Archdeep Baines, who is from Surrey, B.C. We had a Rogers hometown hockey, got his 100th point in the game. Red Deer had a good weekend. They beat them at home, uh, and he had the winning goal in that game. And then Baines had another big performance, getting his 100th point. And that brings us to the obvious Dreisaitl McDavid, Tim. Everybody here is saying, you two don't really think Matthews and Marner are better than those two, do you? So it's a big game. We're looking forward to the show and uh, from Edmonton uh, and Tampa. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Always appreciate it. In fact, we got a tweet here saying the same thing or something darn similar about Drysaddle getting to 50 goals and us not talking about it enough compared to the way we talked about it with Austin Matthews. So appreciate you guys. Thanks for doing this and enjoy the game tonight. I'll be watching. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, Tim. There is uh, Ron Antara in Edmonton, and uh, they support their boys in Edmonton. Maybe not the Leafs and Lightning game. Out all weekend long. Yeah. I feel like when, when the Leafs and Oilers are kind of, well, I don't know, they're not neck and neck, but th- they're both performing well at the moment. It's it just wonderful gets more... for hockey in Canada yes. to have all, and like, listen, that would be my dream is to have all seven teams in the postseason yeah. and just the, the it, it raises the level of uh, rivalry, of intensity, of I love it when there's more Canadian teams and I love that. Yeah, you can pop your chest out. Like, the Oilers are much better now than they were two months ago. So now all the Oilers fans are coming out and hating on other teams around other Canadian teams. 17-7-2. Including the Leafs. Under Jay Woodcroft. Yeah. Unbelievable. Your boy. My boy. Jay Woodcroft. Uh, More hockey in a second. Um, But (laughs) it's Masters Monday. And the sports world is still buzzing over the possibility that Tiger Woods could tee it up at Augusta National this week. Looks great. Tiger played his traditional practice round today with... Fred Couples and Justin Thomas, and by all accounts, he looked pretty good. Tim, if he plays, can he win? I would never bet against Tiger, but to expect that is absolutely near asinine, right? Uh, no, uh, no, I, no, I don't think so. Like, he hasn't played at all since he almost had a leg amputated. One of the great things about Tiger is that nobody has any clue what's going on with him at any point. No, how many people have actually seen him play right now? Joey LaCava has seen him play at Medalist, and that's pretty okay. much it. Okay, but like, even with Tiger, first tournament back, the Masters, the best players on planet Earth. Like, I that, understand. that's a ridiculous ass. There's like, a reason his odds are what they are. At currently 60 to 1, they've actually he, gone up. They've gone up, mm-hmm. which means that Vegas is trying to lure you into betting Tiger Woods. What does he have to do? for us to just say, I'm never going to second-guess him or never going to... He's already done it. Right. He did it in 2019. Like, well, you would be shocked. You would be more shocked if he won this now would, than if would, he won in 2019. This would double, maybe triple 2019 in my mind if he went out there and won this. Because he was playing. This would be absolutely mm-hmm. jaw-dropping to every extent yes. of jaw-dropping is in the game of golf. Yes. And he has said in the past that there's nothing quite like competitive golf playing at his practice rounds is not the same thing as playing in a competitive tournament and to go from not playing at all to playing in the Masters is a pretty significant jump. Yeah. 60 to 1 though? I don't know. Uh, as we told you earlier, Goss K. K. 
Cato will break camp with the Blue Jays. The 27-year-old from California can play first, second, and third base, as well as the corner outfield positions, and he's also pretty good at social media. You see, Cato had been wearing Robbie Ray's notoriously tight pants during spring training. Not his actual pants. And posted this video after he ripped them in a game. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see stuff too like this this kid knows what he's doing it's on social media without a doubt yeah, he's obviously going to be a fan favorite here <laughs> Robbie's, they're actually Robbie's pants yes it's yeah. just fantastic awesome. well well done way to uh, embrace yourself to the uh, or endear yourself to the fan base okay we're just moments away from sending you to Rogers hometown hockey ahead of the Leafs and Lightning Saturday Austin Matthews scored his 51st goal of the season and he now needs nine goals in his final 14 games to become the NHL's first 60 goal scorer since Steven Stamkos in 2012 and Stamkos was asked about Matthew's pursuit of 60 earlier today. I did not want to finish at 59 that's for sure so I mean it, it you know people are like oh it doesn't matter it's a goal it, it it matters when you when you get to that number I mean 49 or 59 that would haunt you I think if, if you got stuck at that number so um, yeah I was pressing it 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 certainly gave me something to, to, to shoot for down the stretch. A little different situation. We weren't as good as a team as, as Toronto is so um, at, at that time. So it was, it was something that the guys were really going out of their way to, to do, but it was special getting the, the 60th. Of course, Dreisaitl at 50, Matthews at 51. Are either of them going to get to 60? Matthews is at a, is, is like we used to joke about gag guys like goal a game, yeah. GAG, goal a game. Both of them have been doing that over it's the last little while. Absurd. And we can see a race right to the end and pretty damn close to 60 for both of them. Yeah. That does it for us, though, kids. Rogers Hometown Hockey coming up next on Sportsnet. Of course, once again, Ron Tara live from Edmonton. That's followed by the Leafs and Lightning. That should be fun. Flames and Kings also should be fun. And on Sportsnet 360, it's Monday Night Raw, the day after WrestleMania. Should be a big one. Thanks for watching Rogers Hometown. Hockey starts now.